Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Saturday, September 12, 2020. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. This week, we have no guests, so you get just me this time around. I promise I'll do my best to be somewhat informative and interesting, and I promise I'll try even harder to get a guest for our next podcast. It's a weekly struggle to get guests for the podcast. Everybody is so very busy, especially during the election season. So today, I thought I'd begin by making a fairly significant announcement. We at the Alliance Party After Dark podcast have now banked 50 weekly podcasts. Yes, yes, thank you. That's a fake audience, by the way. We first published on October 6th of last year, 2019, and we've been publishing every week since that time. So it all started about a year and a half ago, when Jim Rex, who was then the National Vice Chair but is now the National Chair, suggested that we put together a podcast to talk about various stories and current news events. It was part of an attempt to mainstream the Alliance Party and bring name recognition into every household. Since I personally had some limited experience in radio and audio work over the years, I volunteered to produce the show. We had grand plans, a weekly show with lots of guests providing their personal insight. And for the most part, it worked out that way. In just a few minutes, I'll review some of the highlights we experienced on this journey over the past year. I admit, I'm personally very happy with the way things turned out. In case you're curious, I don't do podcasts for a living. I don't get paid for this. It would be nice if I did get paid for it. It would be nice to retire from my full-time job and do podcasts every day. In fact, I sometimes dream about it when I take my power naps while working my full-time job. I work as a software developer for a mid-sized company in St. Louis, Missouri. I moved here from Los Angeles about six years ago after I lost my job of 13 years working as a field engineer, a sales engineer, a trainer, and a marketing project manager. Contrary to what you might believe, it's been a great experience to relocate to the Midwest after living in Southern California for 28 years. You see, I grew up in St. Louis, so it's really sort of a homecoming for me, and I therefore am used to the weather. Besides producing the podcast for the Alliance Party, I also volunteered to be the Missouri State Chair for the party. Yes, I've managed to remain married to my beautiful wife who has been very patient with me as I spend almost all of my free time putting together the next podcast and doing the sorts of things that party state chairs are supposed to do. I also hold a board position on our HOA with over 500 households to answer to. Fortunately, our children are all grown so there is no additional demand for my personal time. My wife is from the Netherlands so we travel to Europe once or twice a year to visit friends and family and this year, of course, is an exception due to the pandemic. Now, the big bonus I have with being married to a Dutch woman is that I get to see how things work, or perhaps don't work, in a different country. Additionally, as part of my previous job in Los Angeles, I traveled to many different countries on business and witnessed how different people and different cultures live their day-to-day lives. There's one thing I've learned in all my travels. Despite the differences we Americans have with other countries, I can tell you from first-hand experience that we as individuals have much more in common. We all love our families, our neighbors, our country. We all want to send our children to good schools. We all want to be secure in our homes and our business dealings. And we all want to earn a comfortable living. 
When any of these basic human needs and desires are denied, it knocks our individual lives as well as our collective lives out of balance, and then we see the types of tragedies that are now unfolding before our eyes on the nightly news with disturbing regularity. My initial motivation for getting involved with the Alliance Party, and consequently this podcast, started when my son, at the age of 22 and still living in Los Angeles, came down with type 1 diabetes. Now, as you know, this is a life-threatening situation, and he nearly died. Were it not for his roommate taking over the situation and seeing that my son was immediately taken care of, I'm not so sure that he would have survived. The good news is that modern-day medicine renders this disease very survivable with a relatively small impact on lifestyle. But, as any parent can tell you, there's nothing in the world more important than your child's health. So I started asking myself, how can we guarantee the survival of people like my son who have these life-threatening diseases? How can it be that we put big business in charge of our health care and then let them dictate the production and distribution of medications that our very survival depends upon? Why is it that a vast majority of these critical life-saving drugs are manufactured in China or India. Not that I have a problem with either country, but when you have a president that seems to enjoy poking sticks into the hornet's nest of international relationships, it puts a lot of people at risk. And it's not just my son. Back in 2018, I knocked on doors on behalf of one of the big two political parties in order to get out the votes. And in doing so, I met several individuals whose lives, like my son's, were dependent on critical drugs. And they told me that it were not for the Affordable Care Act, they would be dead. Unlike my son, they didn't have a dad whose health insurance policy had them covered. Many of these people were living in trailers that were all beaten up by the elements. They couldn't afford anything better. They didn't have full-time jobs with health insurance that covered their medicine. And some of them were struggling to raise children despite the poverty they found themselves in. And they, like my son, were completely dependent on the pricing of life-saving drugs. If the money for these drugs could not be found, they would die. Period. No more life. And they told me this much. So I ask myself, how can this happen in a compassionate America? How can we, as a nation, allow our fellow citizens to live with such extreme amount of insecurity? and thus began a several years long journey that continues to this day. I work on this podcast as an expression of my hope that somehow it makes a difference, that somehow it helps reinforce the united part of the United States. Because at the moment, we aren't so united. I'm not trying to be unpatriotic, I'm just calling it as I see it. Case in point, the cost of drugs is untethered from most oversight. Congress, those people we look toward to help protect us from price gouging on critical drugs, are deeply influenced by the financial power of pharmaceutical companies. Have an eye-opening look at the website opensecrets.org. At the top of the list for lobbying dollars for 2019, you'll see a category called pharmaceuticals and health products coming in at $298 million. That's $298 million that are used to influence our elected members of Congress. Now, to be sure, we are the ones that vote, but the campaign messages that we receive, and to a large extent, 
the very information we receive to make our decisions and cast our votes, are paid for by campaign contributions that come from large corporations. Now, if you think there may be members of Congress that are not taking the big money, well, you may be right. Today. But it won't be long before a candidate who is willing to take the big money pushes your ideal congressperson out of his or her elected office. So, over time, what you're left with are members of Congress that play the game and consequently disregard the needs of their constituents. Furthermore, consider that between direct government grants and money funneled through the National Institutes of Health between 2010 and 2016, we, that is, you and I, have funded research for advanced medicines to the tune of $100 billion. That's billion with a B. $100 billion that we've spent helping pharmaceutical companies develop their drugs. That's not to mention individual private donations. And so, how do they pay us back? They get exclusive patents on their drugs, use these patents to lock up the market and form a veritable and, yes, legal monopoly. Then they charge us life-threatening prices. True, they put up a significant portion of their own money, so yes, they should be compensated. But I have to ask, where are our politicians when it comes to negotiating our side in a fair deal? Well, they aren't there. Well, actually, they're there. They just aren't on our side, because their campaigns are being funded by the big money. Here's part of the problem. According to Open Secrets, over 380 former members of Congress have become lobbyists. That is, when they're done acting as members of Congress, they get sweetheart deals to act as lobbyists so they can go back into Congress and use the connections and relationships that we've helped them forge to work against us. They're basically getting a piece of the American pie for themselves, and they're not sharing it. You'll also see people like Mark Short, Chief of Staff to Vice President Pence, owning up to $1.6 million worth of stocks in companies that are working with Pence's coronavirus task force to fight the pandemic. Is this corruption? Well, you may not agree, but I think so. This information is in the open, by the way. It's really not a secret. Congress and the executive branch are largely on the take. The swamp is still there, and every day more alligators are crawling into it. So when it comes to paying for drugs critical to sustain your life, you're dealing directly with businesses that have purchased our politicians and therefore have no incentive to price their life-saving drugs at costs that can actually save lives. It's not unlike the opioid epidemic. People have to somehow cough up the money or die trying. Many have died. And yet, here we are. Many people in our country are fighting for their right to have big business run our health care and insurance. They fear that having universal health care will ruin what we already have. They fear what Sarah Palin called government-sponsored death panels. Well, brother, I gotta tell you, it's a healthcare industry-sponsored death panel today, and I'm not so sure it's worth defending. So, is the political system broken? Good question. Listen to the podcast from August 23 of this year, 
where we talked with Catherine Gale regarding the book she co-wrote with Michael Porter called The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy. The authors put forth a bold concept. Our political system is not broken. You heard it right. Our political system is not broken. It's functioning exactly the way it was designed to function. It's not broken. It's fixed. Consider that political parties are private industries. Yes, even the Alliance Party is a private organization. But the big two, Democrats and Republicans, are multi-billion dollar private industries that run our country. Now let that sink in for a little while. Our country is being run by private industries. And as such, they make deals with other industries, including pharmaceutical, that are designed to optimize profits. Your voice doesn't mean much to them. Through gerrymandering and impossible ballot access laws and consolidation of parties into a well-fortified political duopoly, they've figured out how to marginalize your voice and render your vote almost meaningless. Catherine and Michael say that indeed the system is working, it just isn't working for its true customers, you and I. They make a strong case for restructuring our political system so that it does work for its customers. Through a concept known as Final Five Primaries and Ranked Choice Voting, they propose that our political structure can be redesigned to actually do what it's supposed to do, work for the people. By the way, the book doesn't just speak in lofty terms of what needs to be done, but it offers a specific course of action as to how to actually do it. It's worth a read, if you ask me. Speaking of on-the-ground action, go back to our August 16th podcast of this year, where we speak with Oliver Hall, founder and executive director of an organization known as the Center for Competitive Democracy. Oliver explains his motivation for doing all the hard work he does in order to ensure a sense of fairness in our elections. Did you know, for example, that in Pennsylvania, you can get personally sued for $80,000 and have your assets seized if you run for office as an independent candidate? Yep, this actually happened. Someone ran for office and, as part of the requirements for running, had submitted a petition with several thousand signatures to satisfy ballot access requirements. But the petition signatures were challenged, and as a result, many of the signatures were thrown out based purely on technicalities, resulting in disqualification. And then, the people that challenged these petition signatures turned around and sued the candidate personally for the amount of time they spent crossing out the petition signatures. So, what do you think this does to our democracy? Were it not for organizations like the Center for Competitive Democracy stepping in to fight the good fight, we might never have any hope for a real democracy. You can read all about this case and more at the Center's website at www.competitivedemocracy.org. Competitive democracy is all one word. That's www.competitivedemocracy.org. And just when you think all rich people are guilty of trying to ruin our democracy, into the fray steps people like Morris Pearl, chair of an organization known as the Patriotic Millionaires. 
Basically, the patriotic millionaires is a group of really rich people that take the long view on our society and see that economic and racial inequality and rabid partisanship are ripping our country apart. Ultimately, without a country, dollars are meaningless. Morris selfishly admits that he doesn't want that to happen. So, whether you agree with his motivations or not, he advocates for a more socially just, equitable, and united country. He and his organization, the Patriotic Millionaires, takes action to help bring that about. Have a listen to the podcast with him on July 5 of this year. Also, you can find their website at patrioticmillionaires.org. All one word, no hyphens, no underscores, patrioticmillionaires.org. There's a group called FairVote that has been at the top of my list of favorite organizations. They are dedicated to the idea that your voice should be heard, your views should be respected, and your votes should truly count. They advocate heavily for something called Ranked Choice Voting, or RCV for short. I have come to believe that RCV can really get rid of much of the dysfunction in our politics and put an end to partisan wars. RCV allows you to vote for multiple candidates by ranking them in terms of your personal priorities. You don't have to feel like you're voting against a candidate or party. The so-called spoiler effect is rendered completely moot under ranked choice voting. RCV also forces candidates to advocate for everyone, not just their base of people in their party. Candidates who publish negative ads will do so at their own peril because they know that with ranked choice voting, they will need to get as many first and second and third choices as possible. A Republican may actually need votes from Democrats. With that in mind, any candidate that disrespects another candidate or a whole class of voters will likely not get the second or third choice from their voters and will therefore not win the election. Ranked choice voting obviously only works when there are more than two candidates, however, and that's just what Fair Vote advocates for. More candidates for each race. To that end, FairVote advocates for something called multi-winner districts. Multi-winner districts are voting districts that merge two or more districts into one. This means that when you cast your ranked choice vote, you're deciding on putting more than one person in Congress to represent you. The candidates running to represent these districts can be from the same party. So you can end up with two Republicans and one Democrat representing your district or maybe a Green and a Libertarian and an Alliance Party member. In any case, your combined district minimizes the effects of gerrymandering and provides you with a better, more representative voice in Congress. The state of Washington already implements this approach in its state legislature. We talked with Larry Stanley about this very issue on the podcast on June 24 of this year. But getting back to fair vote, We've had representatives from FairVote on the podcast several times in the past. Most recently, we rebroadcast a webinar from FairVote with David Daly, Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, Neil Simon, and Joshua A. Douglas. That was on August 30 of this year. We also featured David Daly himself as a guest on the Alliance Party After Dark back on December 29 of last year. David is the author of the book, Rat-Eft, Why Your Vote Doesn't Count. He also writes for The New Yorker, The Atlantic, Slate, Washington Post, and New York Magazine. You may have even seen him provide comments during the nightly news once in a while. 
We also talked with the president of Fair Vote in Virginia, Elizabeth Melson, back on December 22nd of last year. I really enjoyed that conversation. She has a lot of motivation for her involvement in Fair Vote, and she shared some of her personal reasons for that motivation during that podcast. And we also featured Drew Penrose, the Law and Policy Director for Fair Vote, back on April 19th of this year. We had a very interesting discussion regarding voting rights in the age of social distancing, and we talked about the most recent developments in ranked choice voting. You can check out Fair Vote online at www.fairvote.org, all one word, Fair Vote, www.fairvote.org. Now, throughout the past year, we talked with different candidates running under the Alliance Party banner. Some of these candidates are no longer running as they have dropped out due to a lack of funding or perhaps they lost a primary. But these were interesting conversations nevertheless. On August 2nd, we talked with Jeffrey Allen Jean, who's running for the New York State Assembly. On July 26th, we talked with Darcy Richardson, who's currently running for U.S. Vice President under the Alliance Party banner. On May 24, we talked with Brad Jane, who's running for South Carolina's 114th Representative District. And speaking of South Carolina, on May 3rd of this year, we talked with Sarah Work, who is currently running for state senator in District 14 of South Carolina. This is her second campaign, so she's had lots of experience to relate during our conversation. On July 12 of this year, we actually talked with an existing state representative here in Missouri. Deb Lavender, currently a Democratic state representative, shared her views on our existing voting mechanisms, along with the problems of gerrymandering, dark money, and, in general, the sense of disenfranchisement many voters feel and how it threatens our democracy. Deb is currently running for a state senator position in Missouri within the Democratic Party. Now, some of my favorite podcasts this past year include one-on-one discussions with some very influential people. Ralph Nader dropped by on July 26th of this year and talked about the many contributions that political third parties have made throughout our nation's history. Ralph was quick to point out that it was small political third parties that started significant movements in our country. The list includes anti-slavery, women's suffrage, trade unions, Medicare, Social Security, unemployment compensation, and many more ideas that we consider the norm today, but were all started and pushed into our collective consciousness by political third parties. Ralph also discussed at length the difficulties that third parties encounter when trying to break through the barrier that the political duopoly has erected to protect itself. If you recall, Ralph Nader, an attorney, activist, politician, and author of several books and countless articles, ran for U.S. president in every election from 1992 to 2008. He has his own podcast called The Ralph Nader Radio Hour that he publishes on Saturdays. It truly was an honor to have him as a guest on our podcast. We also talked with his campaign manager for his presidential elections in 2000 and 2004, Teresa Amato. Teresa documented many of the arduous battles that she and Ralph Nader fought during his presidential campaigns, all in a book entitled Grand Delusion, The Myth of Voter Choice in a Two-Party Tyranny. I highly recommend you read this book if you have any curiosity as to what really goes on behind the scenes during any political campaign. 
it provides a shocking and eye-opening view into the lengths that the political duopoly goes through to ensure that we remain a two-party nation. She appeared on this podcast on March 1st of this year, where we discussed campaign finance issues, voter disenfranchisement, media bias, the failure to fix voting irregularities, and other issues related to the election of our political officers. Despite all the issues, however, Teresa remains optimistic, and during the podcast, she described the positive developments taking place, where ordinary citizens are organizing and taking back the power that is rightfully theirs. On the same topic, we talked with Lee Drutman on March 22nd of this year. Lee is a senior fellow in the political reform program at New America. On the podcast, he talked about the increasing bipolar nature of politics in America and what we can do about it. Lee is the author of the book, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop, The Case for Multi-Party Democracy in America. And back in 2015, he published the book, The Business of America is Lobbying. He is also the winner of the 2016 American Political Science Association's Robert A. Dahl Award, given for scholarship of the highest quality on the subject of democracy. Also, he co-hosts a podcast called Politics in Question, and he writes for the New York Times, Vox, 538, and several other media outlets. We were so thrilled to have him on our podcast. You can find out more information about New America at www.newamerica.org, all one word. New America is dedicated to renewing the promise of America by continuing the quest to realize our nation's highest ideals, honestly confronting the challenges caused by rapid technological and social change, and seizing the opportunities those changes create. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast where we took a brief look back at the first 50 podcasts for the Alliance Party After Dark, and I hope you tune in for the next 50. And thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week will bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Also, keep in mind that the podcast has a Twitter page at Alliance On Air. And if you have any suggestions for future topics or people we might want to interview in a future podcast, please drop us an email at podcast at theallianceparty.com. The Alliance Party is all one word. That's podcast at theallianceparty.com. All content for this podcast is copyright The Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in and see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe, be aware, and please 
Take care of yourself and those around you.